Hey, this is Rob Beardsley with Lone Star Capital, and today I want to share with you some thoughts that I've been having lately and have just become more clear to me recently about the market. So obviously for a while now, prices have been very high, market's very competitive, and obviously we've known this for a long time, and we've continued to search high and low for discounts or deals that really stand out from the rest. And we've been successful. We've been finding those unicorns or diamonds in the rough, but they come very few and far in between. It's true, you have to put in a ton of work to find those deals. They do exist though. So, but with that being said, the mindset that we've had is to look for deals that let's say are are discounted by the market. If the seller wants 20 million and you know we, we think it's worth 18 million, we're gonna go in there and offer 18 million and we're gonna try to make a deal and hopefully for whatever reason, maybe the seller is desperate or you know, whatever the situation is, maybe they just fell out of contract, maybe we can indeed get that discount. Or maybe we see an opportunity that the rest of the market doesn't see in the property and therefore we're able to pay a little bit more or or, or meet the seller's expectations and still have it be a good deal for us. But I think generally speaking, our mindset has been, let's look at the deal and let's price it and then let's go in with our pricing and hope that we can get this discount. And obviously, if you're in the market, you know that this is a really tough strategy because if you come in on a deal, especially if it's marketed and there's a best and final process, if you're not coming in with a really strong offer that's honestly in excess of the pricing guidance from the broker, I don't think you're gonna get the deal. Yes, it's happened, but today's market I think is even hotter, even more competitive, and I don't think it exists. Another thing about the market that we've understood for a while is the fact that there's a lack in pricing dispersion. So the cap rates between a primary market and a secondary market and a tertiary market, similarly the cap rates between a class A property, B property, and C property, the marginal difference is very small. So you're not necessarily being paid adequately for the additional risk that you take on by either going to a smaller tertiary market or by buying a lesser quality property. So what does that mean? Logic would be, okay, well, let's swim upstream and let's go just buy class A because we're not being paid for the marginal risk for class B or C or secondary tertiary market. That generally speaking is valid, but at the end of the day, we're not just relative investors. We are absolute investors. We're looking for strong absolute returns in the mid-teens and we can't just settle for core yields in the A space and get you know five, 6% return on our investment. What do we do? So something that we are refocusing and, and really starting to hone in on is understanding the fact that if you, the market is generally efficient. If you look at deal after deal, you participate in on-market bidding processes and even in the off-market bidding processes, it's unlikely that the deal is going to trade for a quote discount. You're likely going to be paying full price. The strategy then is rather than looking at it from the perspective of, okay, let's go and try to find discounted property the other way to look at it is let's go out there and try to find property that's worth paying full price for. Understanding that when you go into that best and final, it's not like all the other buyers are just going to be asleep at the wheel and this is your great chance to finally you know, be the winning bidder. No, there's always gonna be competition and they're always gonna bid aggressively. So you have to find the deals that are truly worth bidding aggressively for. They're all gonna be bid aggressively. Even the tertiary market, 80% occupied class C property is going to be bid aggressively, just as the B plus, great location, 
you know, core market, primary market deal is going to be bid aggressively as well. Where do we want to bid aggressively? We want to bid aggressively in top markets, top quality markets, and then sub markets within those markets that exhibit robust growth. So we're, we're honing in on population growth, median household income growth. We're also just looking at the in-place median household income to understand the quality of the area and the pro forma rent potential, as well as the potential for rents to keep on increasing. Obviously, rents have increased a lot over the last 10 years, and you want to be in a market where there's still headroom, where that, that affordability ratio of you know roughly making three times the annual rent exists, even for the rents that you plan to bring the property up to after you've done a value add, for example. So, so like I said, we're looking at population growth, median household income. We want to see that the demographics are right. Uh, want to look at crime. We want to look at the rent growth projections to see that the market has potential for future growth. Another big determinant of future growth is supply. And supply is something that is not talked about nearly enough. People will say, yeah, yeah, supply. But a lot of people will either brush it off because... It's a little bit more complex of data to understand. And also it is easy to brush off also by saying it mostly only affects class A, which is not entirely false. It, has, it is absolutely true. If you look at the pockets where the construction is concentrated, it's obviously in the best areas because that's where developers are looking to get their ROI. And that's where the class A property and class A areas are. There is some insulation associated with class B and C property from new supply, but it still trickles down and it still has an impact. So all in all, you know, if you use a service like CoStar, for example, you can look at net absorption for class A, B, and C properties, or in CoStar, it's, you know, one, two, three, four, and five star properties as they're ranked. And so that's, that's really important. So we're focusing on population growth, median household income, and supply to understand that this is somewhere that we really do want to be aggressive and we want to be excited about the area. Stories are good too, understanding job relocations or anything that's happening that is an event-driven boon for the area. Like if they're expanding the highway so that commutes are going to change and be, you know the area is going to be more accessible is, is obviously beneficial. Then with those things in place to be excited about, then we can factor it into our underwriting and look at our underwriting and obviously make sure the numbers check out fundamentally there as well. So it's, it's again, taking the art of underwriting of factoring qualitative assumptions or assumptions that don't directly plug into your model and then still appreciating them and reflecting them in your underwriting, which hopefully can give you the confidence to, to bid and win the deal and, and make sense of it. So I think that is the, the mindset change. It's it, yeah, maybe there are some properties out there available for a discount and we still hunt for those every single day. But at the end of the day, you can't, assume that you're going to go in especially in the best and final process and go and bid and win the deal without truly squeezing your numbers pushing every assumption and making the deal happen that's what that's the reality that's everybody that's winning deals they're squeezing their numbers to the max they're maxing out all their assumptions the rent growth the exit cap rate the pro forma rents they're being really thin on expenses and and that's who wins the deal which is perfectly fine it's the market we're in and that doesn't mean it's a bad deal. It just means that that's where we're at in underwriting. The question you have to ask yourself is, is this deal really worth stretching on? And so if you're going to be underwriting aggressively that way, you should at least be doing it in a market that really supports that 
and that has a chance to grow. So if you're buying at a low cap rate, you can grow that cap rate over time through rent growth. And obviously, as we talked about, those indicators for future rent growth are population growth, median household income growth, and then supply constraints. Another related topic is similarly finding deals that actually have the true value add story. So as you know, 90% of deals that are brought to market for sale are pitched as a value add opportunity. doesn't matter if it's been owned by a long-term owner for 20 years and it's untouched inside, or if it was bought two years ago and you know is being flipped already. And it's again, a value add, even though the previous owner just value added it. So with that being said, you have to find the deals that really do check out with their value add story. So rather than trying to find the deals that price well, because again, it's always going to be priced high. So you need to find the deals that justify the price and actually do have that true value add. And what do I mean by true value add? Well, it's a tricky question. The reality is it's easy to get sucked into the attractive business plan and the sexy pitch of raising rents $200 and, you know, via a simple, straightforward renovation. It's, it's, it's right in front of your face, the before and after picture. And even the seller has proven a handful of units, maybe 20, 40 units that are proven with those $200 rent increases. And you may think, well, great. Doesn't that mean it's a true value add? Well, maybe, but not if it's priced for that already. If that if the price reflects that upside fully, then you're really just getting return-free risk. And that is not where you want to be. You're taking on all this effort to renovate, raise rents, and it's honestly business plan execution risk and you're not being paid for it. You're not getting an increased marginal return. What that can look like is essentially you just paying a too low of going in cap rate. So you hear in the value add world is, I don't care what cap rate I'm paying because I'm going to value add. Well, that doesn't actually make any sense because you need to still be held accountable to your going in basis. So that way you ensure that your stabilized basis or your stabilized yield on cost, the holy grail of evaluation, uh, checks out. If you buy at a three cap, let's just say the value add plan can push the cap rate up 150 basis points. So if you buy at a three cap, it's only going to push it to four and a half percent. It's not going to work. It doesn't work out. You have to buy that deal still at a, let's say five cap to be able to get it to a six and a half cap. Now that's a home run deal. That's what a true value add deal is, is actually having return potential upon executing the business plan that delivers excess returns, you know, returns better than if you were just to buy an in-place stabilized asset. Otherwise, why are we going through the headache of value add? We can just buy the stabilized asset. So that's the, the true value add. And again, every deal is being pitched as a value add. Why? Because it's going to be priced as a value add. Value add deals trade at a lower cap rate or at a higher price under the assumption that buyers have that they'll be able to raise the value, raise the NOI of the property further. You're going to be paying value add pricing regardless. So you might as well seek out and actually diligence and find the right deals that do truly have that value add. And what, what is that? It's that sufficient return on cost in excess of market cap rates. Just as another example, if the market's trading at, let's say for a stabilized deal, no meat on the bone, just a yield play. Let's say the market's trading at a five and a quarter cap rate for that type of deal. So that's the market cap rate, five and a quarter fully stabilized. That means irrespective of where you buy on a cap rate basis, whether it's five cap, four cap, three cap, your stabilized return on cost, which is your operating cap rate, needs to be in excess of that market cap rate of five and a quarter. Otherwise, again, you would just buy the five and a quarter cap rate on a stabilized deal. So if we're going to buy that four and a half cap, Let's at least push it to five and a half 
So that way we've created value in excess of the stabilized cap rate. And that way, if you have that five and a half cap operating cap rate that you've produced, when you go to sell that property in that stream of income, it'll be valued at a five and a quarter cap and you've created real value, not just an increased income stream, but you've created value there. The bigger the spread you have between your operating cap rate and the market cap rate, the more value you've actually created. So that's what we're looking for. And that's one of the truest, purest forms of valuation because stabilized yield on cost or operating cap rate has nothing to do with exit caps and leverage and rent growth. It's just as long as you do an untrended yield on cost, there's a trended yield on cost, which you can track your yield on cost or your operating cap rate over the life of the deal, which obviously is valid if you're buying in a place with rent growth it makes sense to benefit from that rent growth, which similarly does push your operating cap rate higher, right? If you're getting rent growth each and every year, you might stabilize at a five and a half, but rent growth might keep pushing and pushing and you might end up at a 6% operating cap rate and then be able to sell it as a five cap down the road. And that's real value for you and your investors.